Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss Bellator 289 and UFC 282. A lot of stuff went down this past Friday and Saturday, so we can't wait to jump into it. The results, the news, the controversies, the drama should be fun. No guests today because we want to concentrate on these results as the year winds down and as these promotions also wind down and we head into the holidays. Let us reset and we'll be back to start the show. Should be a fun time. It usually makes sense to go in the order of you know, the sequential order of uh, dates and times. And so Bellator 289 took place on Friday. But the card, the UFC card pay-per-view was so huge that I think I want to start there and maybe split our UFC 282 talk in half and then give Bellator their time because they had stuff go down as well. They had a title, title fight, a Grand Prix, some of their big names, you know, fought, but man, we got to get into this deal goes. There's, I mean, a bunch of branches just off of the main event itself. So Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovich were the main event at UFC 282. And if I'm not mistaken, there was seven fights on the prelims that all went to finishes. Then you get to the first three fights of the main card, all finishes 10 in a row out of the 12 and all we're left with is the co-main event patty pimblett versus jared gordon and then magomed ankalaya versus jan Lahovich. so the judges are arrested they haven't had much to do tonight right yeah i hadn't thought of that but yeah they pretty much arrested fresh as daisies this could be a perfect you know night in terms of finishes for the ufc and Boy, did that not happen. And in the main event, we had a split draw. One judge called the fight for Jan Blahovic 48-47. One judge called the fight for Magomed Ankalaev 48-46. And one judge had it right down the middle, 47-47. Now, how did they arrive at that? Okay. The judge that called it for Blahovic had it easy. Three rounds to two, Blahovic. The judge that called 48-46 for Ankalaev, he had it three rounds to two for Ankalaev, except he also had a 10-8 round. That's why the 48-46 on this side and the 48-47 on the other side. And then the judge in the middle, he gave three rounds to Jan Blahovic, two rounds to Ankalaev, but he also called the 10-8 round to match the Ankalaev judge. And that's how you got 47-47. Now, there was no undisputed champ coming into this. Remember, folks, it was for the vacant title. Yuri Prochaska vacated it a couple weeks ago when he pulled out of the fight because of the shoulder injury. The worst, the worst one the doctors have ever seen. Anyhow, yeah, we're left with a split draw. 
no champ. And we were all in disbelief at our UFC 282 watch along. Myself goes. Shout out to Cody Stamen, who was with us for most of it, UFC Bantamweight. Shout out to Ron Gallagher, my physical therapist, who's right next door to Sticky Paw Studio. So he pops in. You guys have heard him a few times. He hung out. And then Eric Nixick came by for the last few fights. He hung out. Austin Alvarez, our producer, same thing. We were all in shock, goes. I think we all just basically said, put that belt on Ankalaev. It, it, it was his win. Yeah, it seemed kind of like a, an easy decision, really, to give to him. Um, I think a lot of us had it four rounds to one in the studio. I think a couple of us had it 3-2. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I was pretty, pretty damn shocked, man. Looking back, because we were there last time something like this kind of happened, was maybe that Sean O'Malley fight. And looking back, maybe that fight was a tad bit closer than uh, what we saw that night. But this one, I'm sorry. You go back and watch it. I'm just not seeing where these scores are coming from. Me neither. And guess what? If Saudi Amato doesn't give a 10-8 to Ankalaev, Jan Blachowicz is champ. Mm-hmm. Jan Blachowicz actually told Joe Rogan on two different occasions. First, Rogan talked to him, and he said, hey, look, I know I didn't win it, but I also felt like I fought good, and it was a draw. So he was basically kind of conceding that uh, – I'm feeling the booze, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm not going to tell you it was me all day, dog, kind of like what Patty Pimlet said. He was conceding a bit. And this is a guy that was, you know, obviously damaged and uh, discouraged and saddened, you know, by the not just the performance, but the the fact that it was just a draw. You know, I mean, that just kind of sucks for both guys, honestly. And then while they were interviewing in Ankalaev, it looked like. Blahovich huddled up with his team, and his team even told him, man, bro, take the draw. Like, seriously, you know, we thought this guy had you. And so he then he comes back and interrupts the uh, interview with Ankalaev, and he said, yeah, man, give him the belt. Like, he, he it looks like he beat me, you know, and, of course, they can't do that. Mm-hmm. So just like I say, lots of confusion here. We're not trying to be disrespectful towards Blahovich. It's our job to react, and as we're watching the fights, we – give you what we think you know with highly educated people of a fighter and a coach um who kind of know what how rounds playing out so again if diamato doesn't do that blahovich goes home as champion how crazy is that and then i figured out that if referee sorry judge michael bell does it was 10-9 in the, uh, the, the round he gave the Blahovich in the third, where most of us felt like Ankalaev had begun the process of putting his wrestling to work and, and stifling Blahovich. Um, granted, he took a few leg kicks early on, but for the most part, that fight was contested on the ground, and I thought there was you know enough action, damage, um, unlike the Sabatello fight the night before. We all gave him the 10-9, but if he does that, then now your new champion is uh, Ankalaev. Now, the weird thing is this. All the judges agreed on round one, Blahovich. All the judges agreed on round two, Blahovich. Can I and stop you right there? judges agreed on round four, 
and Goliath, and round five, and Goliath. In fact, two of them went 10-8 for and Goliath. Yep, go ahead. So round one, I think we all kind of looked at each other and said Blahovich. I have no problem with that. No, this is what I remember, goes. We, it was close, but we all kind of agreed. I I remember I was doing something on my phone, and I admitted that I hadn't seen as much, so I kind of joined the party about a minute late. And then by the time I said, hey, who do you guys think won? I think you guys had banked that one for Ankalaev. Now, it wasn't a resounding Ankalaev, but it was like, no, I think Ankalaev might have gotten it. But I don't think anybody would have died on that hill, like they say. Mm-hmm. And when the significant strikes count showed up, it was in favor of Ankalaev. So it kind of made sense to me that you guys had said that. But again, all three judges went 10-9 Blahovich, and it may very well have been that. I just remember at the end of round two, we all thought it was 1-1. Yes. That round also had an advantage for Ankalaev in the significant strike department. Takedowns weren't happening. There wasn't really much happening on the ground. He may have gotten one at the end, but he didn't do much with it. So the 10-9 was justified for Blahovich. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry. It was um, Blahovich getting the 10-9 based off those leg kicks makes, makes sense to me even though he lost a significant strike count because he had the damaging uh, strikes. Now, here's a question that we should have brought up on uh, the night of the fight. When he was kicking him in the legs and he knocked him off balance a couple times, I think I think once off his feet, I know it's not a knockdown like in boxing, 10-8, you know, or anything like that, but that's one hell of a significant strike. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That it takes your balance away. So... What? How many significant strikes does that offset when someone just maybe jabs you in the nose, kicks you to the stomach, or what? I don't know, but that's when Blahovich really got the attention of Ankalaev, and Ankalaev was struggling with the inside of his right leg. The outside of his left leg would would come into play as well, you know. But we were at, we were talking about could could there be a stress fracture developing here? Could that leg give at any point in time if the shin connects? I remember we were discussing that. We get to round three, and Blahovich is doing more of that as well, introducing the kick to the outside of the left leg. And then Ankalaev had no – no. I remember he kept getting caught because he kept switching. And you could tell as soon as he switched, he was like, man, how dumb am I? Like, literally, he's kicking me. Mm-hmm. I can't be doing that. And then it kind of stuck in his head to just fight out of the orthodox position to to protect the inside of his right uh, right leg. And then he started – Closing the quarters up against the cage and initiating a takedown. Um, so much so that one of the judges gave him the 10-9, but the other two hung with Lahovich and scored those 10-9s. So us in the uh us in the sticky paw studio, I think felt like you know, my ankle eye was starting to take over now with the wrestling. Um, it's unfortunate that. That is what may have cost him and Blahovich to run it back. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second because Dana White didn't like this fight. He didn't like this main event, right? Anyway, we get to round four, and it's more of that, more of the same with Ankalaev initially just getting takedowns that Blahovich can't do too much about. Um, and so he was scoring 10-9s, 10-8s, 10-9s. That was pretty much it. Now, we did think that it could be 2-2. Although we were thinking 3-1, I remember saying, hey, look, John Morgan was one of them. And a few of the other journalists that get flashed in front of our eyes 
We're putting up 38-38. So I want to say Ioli may have been another one. And we're like, hey, 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 are we not paying attention? Or could it be 2-2? But because Ankalive won round five resounding, I think we thought, well, okay. If it was 2-2 or it was 3-1, Ankalive wins 4-1 or 3-2. I mean, I, I swear to God, I think all of us just thought it's just a matter of them making the announcement. But no one thought that it could be 3-2 Blahovich. Right. Yeah, it was a wrap. Yeah. And uh, there you go. I mean, it was it was a, a split draw. There's no champion in the UFC's light heavyweight division. And guess what? By the time they get to the back, Dana White, who's doing the press conference, announces all finishers get a bonus. And I thought the main event wasn't exciting at all. And guess what? Jamal Hill's going to be pulled away from the Anthony Smith card, sorry, fight in March. He's going to face Glover Teixeira, who was in attendance, who was the original main event versus Yuri Prochaska. They're going to fight in uh, in January, third week in January, in Rio de Janeiro for the vacant UFC lightweight title. I know that's a lot to process at that time. At least it was for me because I was thinking, well, that's kind of cool. Brazil needs needed more you know on their card a brazilian is going to be a part of this it's an opportunity to hill that sucks for smith but hills on more of a roll mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to process it all but you know it also it's that mickey mouse like it's like that circus theme where like but is that right like is that the way you do it what about these two that just battled in here i didn't think it was boring i'll tell you when a fight's boring there was times when it was boring but what was Ankalaev supposed to do? He tried striking. It wasn't working out. Homeboy was almost breaking his legs with kicks. They were slinging. You know, it was fun watching them sling from time to time. But Ankalaev had to do something to avoid those leg kicks. So he started util- utilizing the wrestling, which we all thought he was gonna should have done from the beginning. And when he does, he was effective. 10-9, 8-10, or sorry, 10-9s, 10-8s. All of a sudden, this guy's just out of the title picture now because of a draw. Like, he didn't lose, and neither did the other guy. I don't know. Like, yeah, I get that it helps the Brazil card. I was saying that. Brazil could use something. Okay, they got it. Happy for Brazil, right? But I don't know if it's at the cost of this. So here we are 24 hours later, and I'm still trying to figure out if it's fair, if it's not. Do I like it? Do it? There's aspects aspects of it that I do. There's parts of it that I don't. Then I started, Then I went on a forum. Where somebody said, could Anka Live's post-fight comments saying, I don't know if I want to fight for the UFC, which he's clarified if you go to the front page of MMA Junkie. He says, no, that's not what I meant. But could that have stung so much that when they huddled in that green room, they decided to go, oh, yeah, bitch, you, you don't like us here? You know, in, in the midst mm-hmm. of everything we're going through with the betting scandal, guess what we got up our sleeve? And then they, they pull probably Glover aside, make a phone call to Hill and go, you two want to go at it? And we'll get these guys out of here maybe i don't know that's you know that you can't put it past the ufc right and lastly by the way we found all this out from dana white at the post-fight press conference and goes prior to saturday all these reporters get their heads bit off anytime somebody goes hey dana what are you thinking about for uh this guy or that guy or this guy what does he say hey hey stupid you know i don't make fights on the night of the fight, leave me alone. Let me just chill here, you know? And what is the announce to the world? A fight. That's why reporters ask you, because in case you had a wild hair up your ass on that particular night, they want to know. And if not, just tell them no. But don't act so 
condescending when you've done it before. This wasn't the first time you've done it before. So we're just checking in. That's all. I, I think he was deflecting. So I thought, I think he knew people were already going to lay into him because of the betting thing. And on top of that, uh, to have somebody say, I'm never going to fight in here again if this doesn't get fixed and how shitty these decisions were. Just so happens that his little pal got a a, a gift, right? And Patty Pimblet. So I think what he does and what a lot of people do in these situations is create other things for you to talk about. And that's, yeah, but did you hear he gave all the finishers bonuses? Did you hear that he already put together the next title fight? That's one less question you're going to get asked about things you don't want to talk about. You're giving people reasons to ask you other questions. And I think that's why he did it. That's an interesting take, and I won't say you're wrong. He did disguise it by saying, or maybe he's being genuine. I like to give the people the benefit of the doubt, right? But we've dealt with this guy for years, and I like a lot of what he does. And then there's sometimes where you're just rolling your eyes, right? But he said, hey, look, it's the Christmas spirit. This is our 29th year, our 29th seller, sell, sellout. We're killing it. I, 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 you know, I bet you he was getting texts. Hey, bro, that's 10 in a row. The finishes are on, baby. These fighters are fighting their asses off. Maybe he wasn't a giving mood, the spirit of giving, who knows what. But you're right, goes. You say that, and that could just be part of what you know the guy's doing behind the uh, behind the curtain. You know, when he's planning what he's gonna say and how he's gonna deflect or whatever. I don't know. How many times have you been late to something? Okay, we'll just say, uh, we'll just say myself, mom, Juliet, Laura. We're all waiting on you for something, and you show up late, but you walk in with a bag of chili dogs or a pizza. That's the first thing we do. We don't go, oh, man, you screwed it up. You're all late. We go, oh, shit, he walked in with chili dogs. That's what he did, dude. He walked in with a bag of chili dogs and a pizza. <laughs> so who's fucking hungry? Who wants to eat right now? And people were like, yay. And they just forgot about all the other stuff. Yeah, that, that may have been what happened. Um. I'll tell you this much, when Ankalaev, and I know we got a lot to clean up here, but when Ankalaev said what he said, I remember saying, bro, it's not on the UFC for that. It's it's the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They hire the judges, and you need to maybe point your anger towards the judges, but the UFC does wash their hands. Once you weigh in, that's staff, you know, hey, five seconds, baby, you know, and the ones that weigh you in and bring out the curtain and give you the food and to refuel you and sign the poster, they're out of the picture, and they turn you, basically turn you over to the Nevada State Athletic Commission at that point because um, you've done everything. you fulfilled everything, right? Right. Um, now, yes, when they travel international, the UFC is its own commission. That's where Mark Ratner, a man with a lot of integrity, comes in, and he oversees the event. None of us question it, again, because he's done it for so long in boxing and now MMA. We couldn't fathom him thinking that he would ever – Lean on a judge, wink at a judge, fix anything. No, no, just ain't happening under Mark Reiner. And if it is, why are we all, why are we all here at this point, right? Um, so, Ankalaev says that. I remember at the watch along, we said, no, 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 it ain't you or whatever. And, and it's very well that maybe that the UFC didn't do that, and they just had this crazy idea. Anyway, hey, you two had your chance. Couldn't solve it, although I think Ankalaev solved it. It's just the judges didn't give it to him. 
Mm-hmm. And they rolled with that other fight. Who knows, man? But my head wanted to explode when all this info was coming in because that we haven't even gotten a Pimlet and Gordon. My head wanted to explode then. Then we have this other fight. My head wants to explode again. And you know, you know, here's another thing. Okay, the night before in Bellator, we had that ridiculous score. Douglas Crosby, 50-45 for Danny Sabatello over Rafian Stott. Rafian Stott, excuse me. Rafian Stott goes 48. 47 on two other judges' scorecards. And I hear that Crosby name for a while. He's been around for a lot in boxing and MMA. I've heard him. I've heard him do interviews. He's kind of silly. People say he's, you know, he likes the pro wrestling angle of fighters that are can be outgoing, that supposedly he helped Chael in the past, you know, with with his personality. Who, who, Who knows? But regardless, I don't hear his name too often. I do hear it on the East Coast. Then you hear the 50-45, and everyone that I saw on Twitter was like, 50-45, is you high? Like, what what, what fight did you see? You know, like, come on, dog. 50-45, like, you're crazy. And I could not believe when I heard that he did the the early morning flight or the red line. Because King Mo was in at Bellator with Lombardo, was, was his fighter, and then he flew... Early in the morning, with the time difference, got to Vegas, cornered Jorginho. Congrats to him. Eric Nixick was with Kai Kamaka and Rafian Stotts. Did the same flight with King Mo, just in time to get to Chris Curtis. They didn't need to do that for Douglas Crosby. I I, I don't hear him that often in Nevada anymore. We have judges. And if we ain't got him here, we got some in California that we can fly in. And if we we have a shortage of judges, then Herb can judge. I'm more comfortable with Herb judging at this point than Douglas Crosby, especially after that ridiculous score. When that guy flew in, Ratner from the UFC, the uh, Mullen from Nevada State Athletic Commission, one of those guys should have said, no, 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 no. Listen, man, we're all a family. We love you. But that that was a score we need to talk about. Just chill, right? We'll get to you. But right now we got an event. You cannot be flying that guy in to do an important fight like Pimlet and and Gordon. And and that that so all of these things that we're bringing up goes just have people sickened right now to their stomach because we don't have an undisputed champ. We have a a, a a guy in Jared Gordon that that fought a pretty brilliant fight. Yeah, the third round was not to his liking, but guess what? Goes in round three, two judges gave it to him. Dana's saying that Gordon had a terrible game plan in game three. Well, whatever it was, two judges gave it to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really, really just it pissed me off. Though The Sabatello call and all this other shit, it really, really just sucked, man. Let me ask you this. When when Ankaliyev and when other fighters say things like that, where they kind of pin bad judging on the UFC, I get it. The UFC doesn't control it. But could it be that that what they mean is you guys have so much influence in this town, your buddies, the Fertitas do as well, that if there was something that you really didn't like, you might be able to find ways to make changes. And, you know, when's the last time you went to a Bellator card in Las Vegas? You don't think they want to come here? Yeah. They want to come here, right? But they haven't. Why do you think that is? You know what I'm saying? So I think what fighters are trying to say is you guys have more influence. Like you may not be able to 
to say, hey, fire this judge or or give my guy the, the nod here. Nothing like that. But you might be able to create a stir enough to make some kind of changes. And I, I think that's maybe what now I don't I don't speak this language, so I don't know what exactly he said. Uh, that's on the translator. But I could see how that could be uh, misinterpreted. It's not that far off from what he said to what what was actually said. So that one, you got to give him a pass. But I could see the UFC being mad if that's all they heard. You know, I could see them doing something like that because they kind of have a record of doing something like that. But I think it's harsh because, and this is this is the part that I don't understand, is like, company man, you want to do the UFC favors. Okay. Well, you just took a fight on two weeks' notice, right? The whole thing got flipped up upside down. You bailed them out, and well, they added you, they, they were scheduled to fight on the card, but they took but not on each other additional rounds. Right. So, okay, have you ever watched preseason yeah, they football? Fight each other, weren't they? Uh, have you ever watched Yuri and Magomed versus? Uh... Yeah, but not not like that. Not. I mean, that, this is a, a five round fight, right? Right. Right. So, I mean. Have you ever watched preseason football? What that looks like compared to regular season football? Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to look as good. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I don't know. If I'm Dana White, like, I would say, you know what? I probably did, I I, I kind of didn't enjoy that main event, but you know what? These guys bailed us out. Um, and Goliath was fighting on no legs. He fought on one leg, then no legs. Somehow found a way to keep going. Um, you know, it's just not our night tonight. That's it. But don't fucking bury them. Yeah, I, I, oof. you know, I'm trying to think if it's fair to make them run it back or not, because you decided that these two under the circumstances are the best possible solution. And then I guess when they couldn't solve it, you're saying, well, now they're not the best possible solution and we have to have a solution. So we're having two others. So not only did not only did you take the champion, take the belt off the champion, then the guy that was supposed to face the champion because he wouldn't play, fight who you wanted him to fight, you set him aside, and you pulled the two guys from the co-main event to fight for the title. Remember, you could have put either one of those against Yuri Prochaska originally. Nope, you felt like they didn't deserve to fight the champ, so you won with Glover. I get it. Fight of the year. Sells. I get it. So you put the other two, and then when they couldn't deliver, you're like, hey, Glove, what's going on, pal? Remember us? You know, you're talking about Brazil and shit, you know, our bad dog, like he's still interested in going and we're just going to get Jamal Hill. Uh, oh, man. I, I don't know. So I know people are listening right now and they're going, well, hey, stupid Gigi, what is your solution? I don't know. I suppose one of them, and I don't even know if it's the right one because I haven't had enough time to think about it, but I suppose one of them could be Ankoliev and Blahovich running back in April. You know, or Glover. Now you do have enough time for Ankalaev, and it was supposed to be you. Mm-hmm. You running back? Like, did, did did it have to be in Brazil? You know, we did say, hey, we need a fight in Brazil, but it could have been something else. It could. It didn't have to be that one. It could have been something else. Or do we just appreciate the fact that the UFC can be nutty and they can just plug plug stuff in like that? And I, I don't mind that they they did that. I honestly don't mind that they did it. I just think they didn't have to bury the other two and make yeah, it. Yeah, right. I think you're right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's the worst move to do it that what they did. It's just the way they buried those guys. And I thought what, I, for one, I didn't even think the fight was that bad. Me and neither. I thought it was a really gutsy performance that he pulled, Ankle Live pulled off. 
and um, I thought it was a shitty situation. You know, one guy's on, on an airplane, has no idea what's going on. He lands. You tell him this is what's going on. Like, that's a shell shock, man, to, to, to your system. You're probably not going to get the greatest fight. Not every fucking fight can be a barn burner. You know what I mean? That's why we have that many fights. That's why we're not like boxing, where when that main event sucks, you go home and you're you're kicking everything on the way home. Here, you go, all right, the main event maybe didn't pan out the way we thought, but man, how about the mother knockouts? That's why the sport is the way it is. And it wasn't so much the fighter's fault. It was, I thought the judges blew it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now let's talk about Patty Pimlet and Jared Gordon. Um, Patty entertains me. Let me say that. He entertains me. And I know that I said he seems distracted going in. I said it probably on Thursday show, a little bit on social media. Anybody that would listen on the watch along said, man, I'm a little concerned. He seems a little, seems a little distracted. And Jared is no slouch. It's going to be a tough fight. So much so that I took Jared Gordon when we were making our picks during the watch along. I'm proud of my pick because that's kind of what I thought I saw, you know, was I'm still not sure on Patty. Patty gets hit. He falls behind a little bit. You know, he doesn't have this incredible one punch power. Yeah, he's pretty amazing on the ground, but Jared's not bad on the ground. I'm just not seeing it yet. If he proves me wrong, okay. A lot of fighters have proven me wrong over the years. You know how many times I went against the Volkanovski before I finally said, okay, I get it. I'm late to the party. But as that fight was playing out, I I saw Jared Gordon landing harder shots, more of them. And I saw him really, really taking Patty out of his game, just being more efficient with his effective striking and, and landing the harder shots. Even the third round was actually pretty close up until the end, which I thought Patty Pimblett won that round. Two judges think the other guy won it. But either way, I thought Jared Gordon had a 2-1 lead. Sorry, a 2-0 lead going into round three. So I thought he won 2-1. Again, Mm -hmm. two judges thought Jared Gordon won also. So I guess my call of the first two rounds must have been off. The significant strike advantage seemed to favor Gordon. The guys I was watching fights with also thought Gordon was winning. So I don't know. Um, It's not like I wanted Patty to lose and learn a lesson or anything like that. If he deserves the win, he deserves the win. If he deserves the win, then he can say he has every right to go, hey, you guys thought I couldn't host a podcast, do a meet and greet, go to a hockey game. No, man, I can do it. You know, all right, fuck, it appears you can. I think that how could we argue, right? But um, I just didn't think he won the fight, you know. I, yeah, and that that on the heels of the Sabatello call when Crosby's involved in that one, and then you got freaking, the, you know, the main event. Ugh, bitter taste in my mouth. This was a rough week for Patty Pimblett because obviously that fight, he did not look very good. Jared Gordon's a good fighter. He's not a great fighter, though. And Patty Pimlet's comparing himself to great fighters, right? He's saying him and Conor McGregor could sell the most pay-per-views. Fuck no. Especially after that. Are you kidding me? That that ain't going to happen anytime soon. And then he kind of took an L, uh, you know, on that, on that podcast. Like, it was funny. The things he was saying is funny. But I, I think he kind of didn't really come off very well. And then afterwards, picking up the mic and the fight and saying, 
he thought they should get fight of the night. Oh, and and then at the press conference, uh, nobody was really laughing. Like, I, dude, I think he uh, he he went heel here. I think maybe when you go to MMA decisions, goes there is at least that looks like about twelve or thirteen, and a, there might be about twenty six or twenty seven scores for Jared Gordon. Half of them are 30-27, half of them are 29-28, and there's only one Pimblet. Again, about 27 Gordons and one Pimblet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard of Dan Urban from Couchside Judges. That's the Pimblet guy. But everything else, The Athletic, Cageside Press, Wrestling Observer, Severe MMA, Bloody Elbow, MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, Sure Dog, all have it for Gordon. This is the way it played out with the judges. All the judges thought Pimlet won round one. We thought Gordon won it. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Crosby and McCarthy, that's John McCarthy's son, Ron, they thought Pimlet won 10-9. By the way, I when Ron McCarthy gives out a score, to me, I think, man, this is a guy that's being groomed, and this is a guy that has an incredible resource in his dad. He ain't fucking up too much, too many scorecards. You know, he scores them how his dad helped create the rules. You know, so whatever. I think a lot. Of, I, I really think the judges are way better than the criticism they take. But anyway, that's just my little feeling I've always had about Ron McCarthy. So Crosby and McCarthy go 10-9 Pimlet. Chris Lee goes 10-9 Gordon. Round two, all of them go Patty Pimlet. And uh, so on two judges' scorecards, Crosby and McCarthy, Pimlet had already secured the fight because he was up 20 to 18. So in poker, they call it drawing dead. There's just no way you can beat the other hand because, you know, how they let you have that little secret camera so we have an idea already of who's going to win while we watch them play out the hands. He was basically drawing dead. The best he could have done was get a 10-8, and then it just would have been a split draw, a majority draw or whatever it's called. Um. But he wouldn't have been able to fight unless he finished, or sorry, win unless he finished him. Now, Chris Lee had it 1-1 going into round three, but it didn't matter because he gave Patty Pimlet round three anyway. But get this, the two guys that said 10-9 Pimlet in rounds one and two, they were the two that gave Gordon round three, which I thought was the one you probably could give Pimlet. Mm-hmm. And even then it was close. Yeah. And you look at MMA decisions, same thing. All Gordon's 20, 26, 27 Pimlets, and only one of the other one. Uh, 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 sorry, Gordon's and only one Pimlet. And as far as the other one goes, the um, Ankalaev and Blahovich on MMA decisions, I see two Blahoviches, two Blahoviches for 48, 47. About 15 Ankalaevs, 48-47. Five 48-46s Ankalaev, meaning giving him a 10-8. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, three 49-46s for Ankalaev. And then you got, uh, so that would be three to one. Sorry, four rounds to one. And even a 49-45 for Ankalaev. Um, that would be four rounds to one, including the 
But anyway, if you add up all the Ankalaevs, what do they say? About 15, five, about 24 Ankalaevs and two Blahoviches. That's crazy. Yeah. Very crazy. I'm going to do one more just because we're on this whole thing with kick with the judges here. I want to see how they scored um, Sabatello and Rafian Stotts at Bellator 289 the night before. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, the media. So Eric Cologne had it 48-47 Stotts. Brian Miner had it 48-47 Stotts. Douglas Crosby had 50-45 Sabatello. Miner and Cologne agreed on round one with Crosby, Sabatello. Round two, Miner and Cologne said, nah, it was Stotts. Crosby, as you know, was all Sabatello. Round three, 10-9 to Stotts, both Miner and Cologne. So they're mirroring, mirroring each other. Round four goes to Sabatello for both Cologne and Miner. And then round five, so they were actually pretty identical. Now, now a lot of media uh, participated here. Mm-hmm. It was four for Stotts and two for Sabatello there. But notice it was either 48, 47. No one had 50, 45. I bet you Sabatello's mom didn't even have 40, 50 to 45. But dude, in the okay. Even if you went the other way and said 50, 45, people would still be like, no, that's not how that fight played out. Yeah. I don't know. But judging just took a hit, man. There's sometimes where we have events and everything's spot on. And we feel like we're going, but we're not. Now, I will say this. I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I bring this up every six months or so. What can the UFC do? I did bring it up to Dana White once at a, at a junkie gathering. and go, why don't you just get your own refs? You're around. They're your employees. You pay them a salary. And again, not to pat myself on, on my back, but I think I was headed to one of those do you want do do you realize what a stupid thing you just said? Like we were in a we were in a very cool setting where he did a QA with us, and I think that's why he didn't do it. But um I brought it up, I prefaced it by saying years ago you said your your um competition is NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA. One day you want to get to where they're at or exceed them. And so now with all the judging controversy, have you ever thought of this? And he said, well, do you understand what kind of a blowback we would get? And I said, no, 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 no. I go, hold on a second. And this is what I told him. I told him, I go, you guys are over 20 years old, maybe even closer to 25. It was probably closer to 20 because we haven't done a gathering in a while. So it's probably around that. I go, you're over the 20 year mark. I go, you have, you're established. You have credibility. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the and then I told him the NFL hires their own referees year round, so they work for the NFL. Nobody ever tells the NFL. I mean, yeah, you hear an occasional space cadet go, "Oh, they wanted the Patriots, they wanted the Cowboys, they wanted the Packers," but most of the time we're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, they lost, right?" Sure, you're never going to convince everyone, but they have that. You know, they they have that credibility. We all just turn the page and we say, "Congrats to the Patriots, congrats to the Commanders, congrats to the Niners," or Whoever wins it that year, that's it. We move on. It's in the history books. And when I told him that, I remember he went, hmm. 
you may have a point. I think he said it, you know, but I think he was really going to go in on me and go, you know how stupid that is and this and that or whatever. But I, I, I kind of stopped him. And I told him, hold on a second. I go, you know, like, give yourself some props. You guys are now 20 years in in doing this. And you have a reputation for not having done that. You know, it's a pretty serious thing, as you all are finding out through gaming, just how bad fight fixing would be. I mean, they would take the promoter's license away. Mm-hmm. So what would really be so bad about hiring all of these people and constantly giving them training or whatever? Now, I don't think and it's something penalties. Else, huh? And penalties. Yeah, if yeah, maybe maybe sending them out or whatever, you know? Um reviewing with them the rules and I'm not saying it's the greatest idea ever, but like I say, it happens with all with the other sports, at least I'm positive in the NFL and I'm pretty positive MLB NBA. They do it as well. Um, And every week we kind of live with the decisions, you know, the replay and all that stuff, whatever happens, happens. We can say maybe the NFL wanted this or, or maybe they wanted that, but then we get enough enough Super Bowls where we're like, well, I'm sure Seattle mm-hmm. versus whatever other team wasn't their first choice. Remember when the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. You know, enough teams went to the Super Bowl where you're like, okay, now nah, yeah, I'm sure that you, I'm sure the NFL didn't. That wasn't their first choice, right? Anyway, God, it's frustrating to talk about this when we really should be celebrating the fighters, but there's no light heavyweight champ to celebrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. So Hill, by the way, I already looked at some odds. I, I don't remember him, but there, he's a slight favorite against uh, Glover to share. If you're curious, uh, which I'm not so sure I agree with. He's a killer. Don't get me wrong, man. But Glover, dude, he can strike. He, he's a beast on the ground. All that experience in Brazil, fighters in Brazil usually do pretty well. Like, yikes! I don't know, but it should be a it should be a fun fight to start the year, right? Yeah, I um, uh, I kind of I'm leaning towards uh, Jamal Hill on this one, man. Oh yeah, I just think he hits too hard. He's very pinpoint. He's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. He's got good fight IQ. Um, I could see him winning this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's not talk about Bellator 289 for a bit, and we'll give them their due. They started the weekend off, fine weekend of combat sports, and then we'll come back and discuss everything else that went on, that pay-per-view, the prelims, or whatever. So Bellator 289 was Friday night. They were back in their kind of home away from home. Home for them is San Jose, right? But they're at this Mohegan Sun quite a lot because of the pandemic. And your main event was Rafian Stotts against Danny Sabatello. Now, we already told you the result, the scores. Um, I think Sabatello earned respect, goes, that mm-hmm. relentless gas tank that he has and, and the wrestling and the scrambles. I mean, he really was a beast. I mean, Stotts was like, God, when does this guy stop coming forward with the wrestling? The only problem is he didn't match that with any form of damage you know elbows punches you know any type of ground and pound like it was just it was smothering right but he wasn't scoring and i think that's eventually what cost him but he proved himself as one of the best wrestlers like seriously like colby covington-esque type of wrestling and pace you know that type of motor so respect to sabatello there i think they got themselves a um 
a good fighter, you know, that they can rebuild possibly. His striking wasn't bad. You know, it, it's not beautiful, but it's improved. And he hit Stotts a few times. But Stotts, you know, was just the better fighter over the five rounds. And so he's one half of the Bellator World Grand Prix in the Bantamweight division. The other half is Patchy Mix, who looked probably even better than those two as he smothered Magomed Magomedov and submitted him. Uh, easy work. He looked dominating. And then as big as he is, he just looked like almost like the the A side going into uh, this final. Yeah. Well, I'm starting off with Sabatello. I think he can turn things around because there's just so much room for improvement for him. And he's so good at one thing, right? So if you look at a guy like, say, a Michael Chandler, right, who came in just wrestling dudes and, and how well he was able to develop his striking and even his submissions, um, Sabatello could go down that route. And I think that Stotts, don't want to say he overlooked him, but I, I bet you he he can admit now that Sabatello was a lot better than he thought. Oh, yeah. And um, he gained as as, Yeah, and as far as Patchy Mix goes, holy crap, dude. That was a dominating performance. Like, he just, everything clicked for him. He was so smart in there, and he took advantage of every little situation. That dude is going to make for a very, very interesting final. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. You know, he towered over Stotts. And and look, granted, there wasn't much Stotts could say because he was probably fighting for his life. He had to win round five. Whereas Mix was like, you know, he had time to shower and be cage side. And he tells the whole world, I'm dating Tatiana Suarez. And he's he's admitted to the crowd. He's no longer drinking. You know, he's feeling good, man. And like I say, he looked confident. I'm happy for Patchy Mix and everything, you know, that's turned around for him. Um. And Stotts kind of looked like Patchy Mix at the end of Patchy Mix's last fight going into this fight. He can kill it on the desk. You know, he was beating some good fighters. You know, he became interim champ. Like, he he really, really was, like, it, man. He was really it. But I don't know if he's the big man on campus going into this fight. I'm looking for odds, and I want to update you guys. Minus 150 for Jamal Hill, plus 130 for Glover Teixeira. And I'm looking to see if they may have given us odds on Rafion Stotts and Patchy Mix, but I don't seem to find any just yet for them. Scott Coker said probably first quarter of 2023 is when these guys will fight, and that'll settle the uh, the Bellator World Grand Prix, Bantamweight Grand Prix. It's got sort, no sort of, right? Because oh, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, we do want to see that title unite, right? And yeah. uh, so Sergio Pettis, that's right. You'll have you'll have a tournament winner, but I don't know that it will achieve what it's supposed to until Sergio Pettis gets in there. Yeah, but you know what? He, he by the way killed it on the desk. I thought he did great. You know what though? Um, at this point, I would favor Patchy Mix, Ruffian Stotts, and dude, maybe even Sabatello over uh, Sergio Pettis at this moment. He's got a lot on his plate. For sure. But the good thing is he only has to fight one of them. Right. So he he would have had to fight three of them if had he been a part of this. Um, but he isn't. Now, granted, 
I don't think he was trying to dodge anyone. He really did have a serious knee injury from what I heard. In no way did I think he was dodging. And let's not forget, he can't win a million dollars. You know, so all these fighters want to be in it because they want to possibly win a million dollars along with the title that comes with it and all that. But um, Sergio hasn't been able to fight this whole time. And uh, he will unify with the winner because the interim champ is Rafian Stotts. He put that up against Sabatello as part of the semifinal in the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So that's a title defense for him. He'll also do that against Patchy Mix. And if, Mac, if Mix wins, he becomes the interim champ and the Grand Prix champ. And he'll unify with the undisputed champ, which is Sergio Pettis. So I know it's kind of complicated, but hopefully by the end of the first quarter in 2023, we at least know who the Grand Prix champ is. And then at some point, they unify in the summer and then we move on. But that do- bad division, man, that's that's fun over at Bellator and the UFC. So do you think Sergio Pettis, whoever comes out of this this Grand Prix, do you think he would still be the favorite going into that fight, odds-wise? Pettis? Yeah, I don't think he would be. I don't think he'd be favored over Stotts, Mix, or Sabatello. I I would agree with Sabatello as well. I mean, look, Horiguchi was just putting it on him. Mm-hmm. He got bailed out in the fifth. I mean, it's a technique. He didn't just close his eyes and do it, but, you know, he uh, he was losing. He was on his way to losing his title. But it worked out for him. Um, Liz Carmouche defeated Juliana Velasquez. You know, Velasquez did, fought a good fight the first time, and Liz Carmouche, you know, turned the fight around in the later rounds and won. And I think Velasquez felt confident, like, that ain't going to happen this time. I'm going to finish the job. Man, Carmouche looked great. She did. And think about how long she's been doing this. But she's really good at certain things, at almost light years ahead of some of these fighters. And uh, she was able to expose her in this fight. Yeah, it was a weird angle, but she was able to hit the arm bar. And I, congrats to her. She got it done early, too, second round. And now she's 2-0 and against Velasquez. I mean, Velasquez really needs for someone to take out Carmouche before she can come back and be a champ again. I mean, I don't know how be- how deep Bellator is in their division, you know, at, but, but you know, that third fights are usually tougher to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, the first fight of the night on the main card, which was on Showtime, Dalton Rasta defeated Anthony Adams. Pretty entertaining. Rasta was a heavier-handed guy versus Adams, who was a little bit more technical kind of a volume type fighter, but he just really couldn't get going. And uh, so Rasta is probably someone you should keep an eye on. And here's a few names from that you might recognize. Jaleel Willis took out Kyle Crutchmer. Kai Kamaka defeated Kevin Bohm. Michael Lombardo defeated Mark Leminger. So they had some pretty nice KOs as well. And that's uh, that's your Bellator 289 card. They keep reinforcing how in 2023, Fedor versus Bader is going to be one of their next cards, and it's going to be on CBS. That's going to be huge for Bellator MMA. Um, UFC 282 talk again. So Santiago Ponzinibbio defeated Alex Morano. I'll tell you what, Morano fought well for taking the fight on one-week notice and possibly was cruising on his way to a dub. But Ponzinibbio landed a big right hand that kind of like was trying to describe it on the watch along. It looked like he shut the nerves down on the left side of Murano's face. Either that or maybe dislodged the um the mouthpiece. And so the mouthpiece made it look like, you know, like he he just 
his face just twitched or something. And then he got hit again. And then, you know, by the time they were presenting the winner, he looked okay. So that's good. But I think Goes might have been the one that said it looked like he was knocked out on his feet. Didn't something like this happen a couple months ago as well with a fighter where we thought something might have been wrong with his face or mm. that sound familiar? Well, I don't know about the face part, but yeah, I, I've seen a few fighters where you feel like on their feet they're just rocked. Mm. I can't I can't remember a certain one off the top of my head, but fighters get buzzed pretty good and some of them ha- have the ability to stand on their feet and you know, like when King Mo got spinning back fist by Emmanuel Newton, remember he just kind of mm. stood there and just did this little flutter that was something I had never seen before. But Morano's face just, I don't know, he turned into like Popeye for a second. Yeah. And I'm glad it cleared up and he's going to be okay. And he fought great, man. Like, he should get a bonus. He took the fight on late notice, fought, fought to win, and then just happened to get caught. And big, big. It wouldn't be worth it, though, huh? Huh? It still wouldn't be worth it, though, huh? Because what? of how brutal the knockout was. He was on his way to, to doing something pretty legit in the sense that short notice, Probably make a nice little check from the UFC, advance your career with a good, good victory. Everything was lining up, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't try. I mean, that, that's a vicious knockout. You can only have so many of those. Mm. Yeah, Ponzinibbio had a two-fight losing streak going in, so this this one puts him, you know, back in the game. Big day for Argentina. Earlier that day, Argentina had defeated. Uh, <sighs> Day B goes the Netherlands, the Netherlands. That's right. In fact, I think it was the day before they beat the Netherlands. Croatia beat Brazil. That's right. So, Argentina will be playing for Brazil, but yeah, Ponzanibio is uh, Argentinian. So, nice, nice win, nice weekend for the Argentinian sports fans. Uh, all right, so now we get to the featured prelims. Raul Rosas defeated Jay Perrin. Easy work, submission. I thought it was a rear naked choke, but I think it was Cody Stamen that pointed out he he did a face crank on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 18 years of age, man. And I guess he gets his 50 G's so he can get his mom, the mom, he can get the mom a van and the mom can drop him off at, at the PI. So he's kind of playing along the whole, hey, I'm just a kid in school, you know, help me out, deal. And uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck, quick work over former cop Chris Dawkins. We're always saying this guy's so hesitant to throw hands, and pff, 23 seconds is all it took. Big, big win for him. Edmund Shabazian. Now he had to punch the clock. Dolce Langambula didn't just roll over. He hit Edmund Shabazian pretty good, but Shabazian connected on some punches in round two towards the end, got the win over Dolce Langambula. And now Shabazian uh, shakes off a little bit of a run, too, where he had lost three in a row. The Nasruddin Imavov fight, Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson. All killers, don't get me wrong. But the dude that started off 11 and 0, then, then lost these three fights. And so he really needed this one. And then uh, lastly, on the uh, featured prelims, um, Chris Curtis defeated Joaquin Buckley. Great fight to watch. I was starting to get a little scared because Chris wasn't throwing like Joaquin was. And he was blocking a lot of it with his hands, with his forearms, with his shoulders, head movement. But Joaquin, just when he hits, he hits hard. Some of them were getting through. In the end, though, Chris Curtis connected, man. He caught one of his kicks. And then, boom, 
socked them to the ground, finished them up. Big, big win for Chris Curtis. Mm. What do you think of the featured prelims? Good. Good. Jarzinho, um, he's so frustrating because I don't think he understands how afraid people are that are standing in front of him. And he lets them get comfortable in fights. You know, in this one, he didn't. And I think uh, his record would be a lot different if he fought like this a little bit more. It doesn't mean you got to be sloppy, just more aggressive. And Rosas Jr., like, get real, dude. I mean, that dude's probably counting. He's probably sleeping in whatever clothes he's going to wear tomorrow at school, <laughs> right? He's going to walk in like John Travolta just strutting to every period. Mm-hmm. That's got to be amazing at that age to uh, to be able to do something like that. I agree. Uh, but did we did we talk about Darren Till? Darren Till? Hey, yeah, you're right. I kind of glanced over it. I went from Ponzinibbio. Holy shit! I didn't even talk about. So uh, yeah, I didn't even talk Rachel about Ilya and... Okay, yeah. yeah, let's talk about Drikas Duplessis, who defeated Darentel via submission. I think he <laughs> had a face crank as well in the third round. This fight was crazy because Duplessis had hurt Till early, and then Till's having a conversation with the ref, and as he's doing it, he's getting punched. And he just kind of keeps, you know, he's just not doing anything about the position other than continuing to get hit, talking to the ref, you know, just sitting there, like almost tuning out. And and then he comes back like a demon in round two and puts it on Duplessis. So now we get to round three. And, you know, my whole thing with Duplessis, it just looks like he's gassing because he's huffing and puffing, looking for a house to blow down, you know. And... um. But but until looks sharp early in round three, but then all of a sudden Duplessis caught him, man, and and uh, that was the end. That was the end for, of Darren Till. Eventually, when the fight hit the ground, um, I felt bad for Darren. I'll tell you why, because he came in kind of cocky. He's kind of turned into a rude boy of sorts on social media, clowning on people, doing his thing. Even when he's been losing, he looks all right. And then all of a sudden, this fight fight week. He just hung back. He didn't talk shit. He let Pimlet do all the work. Ilya Taporia, he just laughed. He called the other guy a nice South African or whatever. And I wasn't expecting much, goes. I really wasn't. And then all of a sudden, he fought pretty decently when he, when he, after he absorbed those strikes after round one. And he loses, and then he put a heartfelt message on Instagram. Says he just needs to. He says, "I still want to fight. I'm not retiring." But man, he goes, "I, I just need to pull back and figure it out." You know, he's got four daughters now, um, so he's probably matured a bit. I don't know, but I felt bad for the guy. I loved his message on Instagram. I thought it was great. Everything he said. Um, he did fight a little better in rounds two and three. Mm-hmm. But I do think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Duplessis was just tired from beating on the punching bag, right? Like, that's literally what it was. We, we were counting. compromised left eye. Remember how small that left eye was after the round one? Yeah. Yeah, but we were counting in round one. I want to say it was about 30-some unanswered shots that he just teed off on him. So Duplessis was exhausted in the last two rounds. Uh, props for to Darren for hanging around, but there were just a lot of things that he did really, really bad in that fight. Them takedowns were awful, and the fact that he was able to complete them made it even worse. So, um, and I think he got he got hurt too as well, right? Didn't he? I think it was an ACL or something like that. 
Yeah, I thought I heard that as well. I don't know that I've confirmed it, but I thought I heard that as well. Yeah, it's Tarantil's just had a really, really rough uh, outing here lately. Uh, but on top of everything, like what you wanted to see was not only him get a win, but kind of give you something that goes, oh my God, all right, this guy might have something for the champ. Because that's the way we talk about Darren Till when we're, when we're breaking down uh, matchups and stuff like that. He didn't do any of that, man. Like nothing went right for this kid. Mm. Yeah. You know, Ben Folks made a good point. He said, stop talking about being away from your newborn. Your newborn doesn't know that you're gone. You know, so they ain't feeling the fact that you are are gone yet. It's just a newborn. You know, Ben's had two kids. So he's saying they don't they don't know that you're gone and they ain't missing you. But because you're a public figure and you're talking about it so much, one day they're going to find out. So shut up. Stop talking about it. It was really funny. Um. Anyway, look, I hope the best for Darren Till. Duplessis did say something. He goes, I think this guy can be a world champion, just not at middleweight. So I don't know if that was his way of saying go back to welterweight at the same time. Till's a big guy. Welterweight wasn't easy. He did make it to being a title contender, though. He was a title challenger to Tyron Woodley before he lost there. But he's just kind of come up short in a lot of big fights. And I think that really, really, um, it really, really disappoints him because, you know, that it quality, he's got it. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the wins to match it. And he's probably watching a lot of fighters that, have the skills, but they're missing the it, you know? Um, And here he has it, but he just can't seem to, you know, start well and finish well. There's always just something in the middle where you're like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? But anyway, how about Ilya Taporia goes? I mean, he looked looked like he fought Bryce Mitchell, and Bryce Mitchell had a – you know, he, he he was his eyes were covered. He had a blindfold on, except like he just seemed like he was steps ahead of of Mitchell on the feet and on the ground, and I mean he made him look average. You know, and this is a guy that went up from featherweight to lightweight, and that's why the other guy was towering over him. And Bryce Mitchell's kind of done really well against different types of fighters. He struck with Edson Barbosa. He grappled with Andre Feely. I mean, just smothered him, you know. And like, there's there's been a lot, a few fighters where he's done really, really well. Where we're like, hey, you're not bad, country guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a good from Arkansas, and walked in with a 15 and 0 record. Now he's 15 and 1. But Feely, Rosa, Barbosa, I think he was like 5 and 0 in the UFC, just looking better and better each time. Um. But he got walloped by Toporia so much that everybody left saying, well, who's Toporia fighting next? Because I want to see it. Yeah, there, man, there were so many fights and performances that were so out of character. And this has to be one. I don't want to take anything away from Toporia. I thought it was a, a great performance. Um, we picked him to win that fight. But it didn't really look like the right Bryce Smith, like something had to have been wrong with him, whether it was mentally or physically. It just, I can accept him getting dominated and losing, but it just didn't look like him at all. You know, it was a very, very strange performance. And um, 
I don't know if he's going to fall back on that or if he's going to do kind of like what Darren Till was saying, like shake, shake it up. Like I get it. You got a farm and, and you got a gym inside of your barn, but that that's not enough to cut it, man. If you look at all these champions uh, throughout history, none of them have your story. You know, maybe the closest thing I can think of is maybe like a BJ Penn, but even then so many people came in and out of Hawaii that, I just don't know of very many people, maybe a Brock Lesnar, you, you know what I mean, that that did something similar and was successful. Everybody cross-trains. Uh, you learn new things from different coaches. Different coaches. I, I think Bryce Mitchell, nobody's saying pack up and leave your farm and move to Florida. But it doesn't mean you can't go there for a couple weeks. It doesn't mean you can't go to Vegas for a couple weeks and or pick your, up on some stuff. Or your camps. I mean, I don't know. Right. But – yeah, he the farm. Look, if he how old is he? I got him right here. Bryce Mitchell was fifteen and zero going into this fight. Now he's fifteen and one, and maybe this is the wake up call because he's been fifteen and zero, right? He's probably thinking, "Hey, what's wrong with my uh, what's wrong with my career? I'm killing it." But he's twenty eight years of age. I think he can fight at a high level from twenty eight to thirty five, and then from thirty five to forty, if he wants to do the Clay Guida route, the Joe Lozon route, the Jim Miller route, just kind of hang around. You know, win two, lose one, win two, lose one, make a paycheck, just be part of the fighting culture. You know, he could probably do that as well. So let's just say he goes from 28 to 40. He still has from 40 to at least 75 to be a farmer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't fight at 75 or 65 or 55 or even 45. Well, most can't, but I don't know. Um, he he has gotten better. I didn't think he could stand with Barbosa, and he did. But this was a wake-up call. I mean, I've cracked this joke before, but it really looked like before he went out, Toporia found him in the hallway and just stabbed him with, like, a, a screwdriver. Like in the movie Gladiator, remember when Russell Crowe gets lit mm-hmm. up? Boom, 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 boom. He stabs him, and then they cover up the wound, and then Russell Crowe's just kind of like hobbling out there. But Russell Crowe was still way better than Joaquin Phoenix, who plays Caesar, right, that he was able to beat him because pretty much Commodus was a puss. Mm-hmm. But in this fight, no. I mean, that's how bad he made him look. Like, like we were like, what's wrong with Mitchell? Usually Mitchell's dictating what's going on, you know? Right. Warrior was taking him to the ground, man. Not to mention he had the size advantage. There, there were a lot of things in his favor. And the mic, the mic was just picking up like, mm, 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 like that. He was, he was getting socked, dude. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so Ilya Saporia, respect, bro. Like, seriously, you are, you've arrived. Put it this way. The perfect fight would be Pimlet and Toporia. Now they're in the same weight class. They were chirping at each other on fight week. Ports, apparently, they've had some run-ins. But I'll bet you the UFC's like, hell no, we ain't matching up Patty Pimlet against Toporia. Not now. Pimlet needs to get better. But Toporia, you could honestly put him in there against a high-level 55-er. Grant Dawson. I don't know. Someone that's on a roll. Maybe not yet your Chandler's and Poyer's yet. But somebody pretty close up there. Sarukian, Gamrol, I don't know. But Taporia earned that. He really, really earned that. He's he's got the shiny record as well. Speaks good English, and he put on a show. 
far as Mitchell, Ferguson? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do with these guys. But <laughs> Poor Ferguson. Catch someone, people catch someone coming off a loss. That's that's kind of a big name, I guess. I don't know. You know, Fada Hanun, who hosted the preview show, said Mitchell tends to take a lot of time off, and during that time, he does get better. I had never caught on to that. He hadn't fought since March, so he took about nine months in between these fights. And then before that one, he hadn't fought in a year and a half between Feely and Barbosa. So maybe he'll take some more time off, but the sport doesn't wait for you, that's for sure. All right, now that we've kind of caught that up, just to finish out, Billy Quarantillo defeated Alexander Hernandez, TJ Brown defeated Eric Silva, and Cameron Simon defeated Stephen Coslow. Um, let's focus on Quarantillo and Hernandez because we got to get out of here. But how about this fight goes? I'm going to lean on you because I was traveling to Sticky Paws for this one. But when I walked in, you and Austin, your jaws were to the floor because you said that was one hell of a fight. Dude, that was a war. I thought that should have gotten fight of the night. Uh, Quarantillo took a shot early on in the fight. His face was just full of blood. And uh, going into round two, you, you just thought Hernandez was probably going to find a way to finish him if the doctor didn't stop it and then he flipped it on him and he busted his eye open and, and then you saw the tide start to turn and uh Quarantillo is just a smart fighter dude really really smart fighter and I think he's he was able to blend that with his athleticism in this fight but holy crap dude what a great fight yeah that's that's kind of what I had heard from Austin as well I need to go back and watch that one I was all on the NFL bandwagon today, and then last night, you know, obviously I I watched the post-fight press conference and read a lot of the news stories and then started working a little bit on spinning back, like, but I've yet to go back and rewatch some of the early fights. Well, really, that was the only one I fought. I thought Simon should have been disqualified in the Coslo fight. And then uh, congrats to TJ Brown. That's the teammate, I guess, of Brock, or sorry, uh, Bryce Mitchell. He scored a win over Eric Silva. So good for him. That was a big win. And yeah, Quarantillo Hernandez was the one I missed. I should have I should have missed the first, the second fight and gotten the sticky paws in time to watch Quarantillo and Hernandez. And I blew that one. But I, I I suspected that that fight could be good. And it was a good result for Quarantillo because at some point, you know, you just gotta take the next step. Both mm-hmm. of those guys have been doing this for a while. Hernandez even longer. Um you know, in fact, now that I think about it, Hernandez versus Pimblet might be a decent fight. Remember, Hernandez, yeah. I believe, is the guy that gave Darius a loss. Remember, he kind of upset him early on. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. Um, let's let's finish with Pimblet. What 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 is next for Pimblet? What what do we do? All right, look, we didn't think he won the fight, but the judges gave it to him. So we always say we turn the page and move on. So he's the winner. They're going to go to London in, in March. Does he need some time off? He kind of seems to have fought a lot in, this, in 2022. So should he fight in London and maybe see if the UFC can be give him a favorable matchup or should he skip London, be in the crowd, just get better? Uh, no, I think he should fight in London. I don't I don't think he's going to want to fight, and I don't think the UFC is going to want to put him on a card in the, in the United States for a while. I think you got to strike while the iron's hot. Hopefully it look great over there. Don't let that fight go to the judges. Get a finish and get get the ball rolling again because that train has completely derailed at this point. Mm-hmm. And did we talk about on on Thursday's show about everything that went on during fight week? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole fallout from 
him and Dana kind of trashing Ariel Hawani and the manager got involved, Graham Boylan, who we've had on the show. Um, that, I, I don't know. It's probably two sides to every story, which I think is what Graham's defense was, and that's probably what it is. I don't know. Ariel was really, really taking out the receipts, though. Yeah, he was pulling out the receipts and saying, hey, look, on this day, this happened. At this time, this happened. And I don't know. I mean, I do say this about text. Texting is like... There's times where I'm getting ready to send a text. I read it. I'm like, no, it's going to be taken this way. You know, so I just tend to pick up the phone and call people um, or at least word the text so cleanly that it can't be misinterpreted and people ain't pulling out receipts on me. (laughs) So but but I also get texts from some of my friends where I'm like, did you hand this to a third grader and and tell them what you wanted to tell me? Because today goes, I said to my buddies. Woody, Squid, and Gabe. I told them, I like the San Diego Chargers. Sorry, LA Chargers at home. No points. Money line. I think they're going to beat the Miami Dolphins. And the under was 54 and a half. And they sent me thumbs up. We like it. I go, okay. So we're going to do a coalition. I go, do you guys want to do a $25 coalition? Or a $50 coalition. You know what the replies were? Thumbs up. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> Did they not read? Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm telling you. When it comes to texting, if someone's just as lazy at, as, at reading them or writing them, this is what can happen. And so I had to write them back. Do, do you, can you guys read? Do you want 25 or 50 because if I do 50 and we lose, they might stick me with the extra 25, mm-hmm. right? But if they really like it and I do 25 because I don't want to get stuck with the extra 25, then they're going to go, why don't you do 50? So, but again, they're not careful. You know, you and I go through this whole thing with Pacific and Eastern and Central and specify AM and PM. And over there, it's Monday. And over here, it's Sunday. What are we talking about? You know, worst. But, but we get down to the bottom of it. A lot of people don't. So maybe stuff got lost in translation or what. But man, Patty Pimlet, he's 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 leaving town with the skin of on, on his teeth. Barely, yeah. He, this was not a the, the best week for him. Anyway, all right. Um thank you to everybody for your support and tuning into the watch along on Saturday. Thank you again to Cody Stamen, Eric Nixick, Ron Gallagher for joining us. Producer Austin Alvarez, we love doing it. To our partners at Panda, USA Today Sports, and Typical Sportsbook for putting it all together. Catch our Spinning Backlick show live. It's on Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's live. Myself and goes with two other colleagues. We hammer out the biggest stories of the week. And you can participate in the chat room, send in a question or a comment. I try and keep up with those as we're kind of breaking down all the big stories. And, of course, Monday and Thursday here on MMA Junkie, it's MMA Junkie Radio twice a week. Over 3,300 shows and 15 years of doing this. We know what we're doing. We know what we're talking about. So uh, jump on the train because we're as consistent as it gets. There you have it. A big shout-out to Gabe Gudgel. He's, I consider him part of this podcast these last few years, man. He, he does a great job putting it together. Kamikaze, I wish I could remember his name every single time. He's the one that does the art for our spinning back clicks. So talented, now a permanent part of the team. 
You don't remember his name? And his breakdowns. No, 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 I remember his name. I forget to give him a shout out because I'm always oh. saying he's on the ones and twos, but really he's a part of spinning back click. Kamikaze is, you know. So, um, Dan Tom, I wish him a, a great vacation in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. He went with his lady. Mike Bond, man, I think you're stellar. I, I really wish you would have taken down the um, the best journalist at the World MMA Awards. I wish we would have won Best Media Source. I really think, you know, we just have one hell of a team. But anyway, um, that's it. We'll see you all on Thursday. Go out and be a champion.